Hey everyone, this is Flightcast, the best infinite flight podcast that you'll find. Infinite Flight is a mobile flight simulator that you can use on your phone or tablet, and you can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. With me in the Flightcast virtual studio is Mr. Skyhawk Heavy, Mark Denton. Hi, Mark. What's up? What's up? So, Mark, uh, I got a great review in the iTunes store in the UK the other day. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, the reviewer gave the podcast one out of five stars, so at least I got one. And they gave you a golf star. Uh, yeah. And basically the title and the actual review itself indicated that the host, me, knows very little about aviation. Yep. They uh, pretty much nailed it so far. I know, right? So I thought <laughs> that it was uh, great and so true. Uh, you know, that's part of the reason why I love talking to people like yourself, uh, our guest today, and other real-world aviation professionals, air traffic controllers, um, pilots, and so on. This helps me to not be such a dum-dum when it comes to the airplanes. Or, as I like to say, a dumb Right. Of course, we'd love some five-star reviews, but uh, I can't complain too much. It gave me a good laugh. Um, listen, before we get too far in today, I just wanted to mention a great aviation account that I found on Instagram. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's called Heathrow Spotter, and uh, this guy's a 16-year-old dude named Isaac. He's a plane spotter at London Heathrow, and he also travels around with his uh, Canon DSLR taking some really amazing shots. Did you? Wait a minute. Did you say 16? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I sent you over to his account. Yeah, and I was looking at his pictures, man, and these things are, uh, these things are, these pictures are really nice, man. I'm, and they seem to just uh, keep getting better as time goes on. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he's he's taking some fabulous shots. So, guys, check out Isaac on Instagram. You can find him at Flight Path Aviation, which is at Flight Path underscore aviation. Check it out. Yep, definitely. So, Mark, let's talk about ModCon a little bit now that we're oh, man. back home and back to reality. IF ModCon 16. Mm-hmm. That, <clears throat> wow. You know, I've been trying to not um, dominate all of the airspace when I'm talking to my friends back home to <laughs> and only tell talking about modcon 16 because honestly it was um you know i i checked i literally checked an item off my bucket list with the a320 sim and it was just oh, a, I, thought it, I thought the bucket list <clears throat> was that you got to meet me well that wasn't that on your bucket list that's on everybody's yeah, bucket list yeah it was on the it was on that bucket list i didn't even know existed until recently so yeah, yeah well, checked it off. But man, uh, I mean, how about that simulator though? Dude, <clears throat> that was just awesome. That was just absolutely awesome, man. I mean, you know, the last sim that I flew uh, was the Falcon 20, which I told you and I've told several people because, you know, I was proud of my 25 hours, but it is, I, I will say this, man, uh, you know, <clears throat> The Airbus, yeah, of course, it's got the three buttons that we joked about, taxi, takeoff, and landing. But, mm-hmm. you know, when when Jared turned off all the automated stuff, 
and you were hand flying the airplane. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and it's still weird for that side stick though. It is. It is. It's, it's strange when you're used to using a yoke, but what I found interesting about, well, many things, but some of the stuff, and I'm going to, I'm going to eventually post a video here of, I had the GoPro kind of, uh, facing me and then I had, uh, Tyler shooting some stuff from the back seat. But the, what, what I found really interesting was that you, with the Airbus, uh, and Melvin was there and he flew it as well. And he's a Boeing 777 pilot. So what, what his biggest thing with the Airbus was that you really can't do anything without telling the Airbus, this is what I'm about to do. You know, oh, there's, yeah. so there's, I guess, what did Jared call it? Phases of flight? Well, the Airbus is like a female. Oh, no. If you use Melvin's quote, you can't fly the Airbus. You can't do something unless you're, you tell it what you want to do. <laughs> it's like you've got to get permission. So that tells you the Airbus is a female. You've got to get permission first before you can do anything. Uh, no comment. Anyway, the... <laughs> You know, we're doing doing a touch and go, for example. Yes. The Airbus does not want you doing a touch and go. <laughs> it says your goal is to land and get your passengers to the gate. But, man, one thing that blew me away was that um, – so people are always saying, you know, what can, can a civilian get in an airliner? Uh, the, that classic scenario, both pilots are incapacitated. Can a civilian get in there and fly the thing? Oh um, yeah. The answer is if you have comms, so if you can t- talk to somebody on the ground that knows what they're doing, the answer is yes. Exactly. Um and especially if if your if your autopilot and your autoland is functional, absolutely. Um someone can talk you through it. Um but even if you have a little bit of flying experience, like I have a little bit, and I mean a little bit. Um yeah, you can do it. Well, and, and, you know, and I think people really could, uh, honestly, um, you know, take Steven, for example, you know, I'm sure the pressure was on Steven. You've got, when we were in the box, you had three pilots, you had Laura, you had Jared and you had myself. Mm -hmm. So you got three real world pilots and then you got Steven, uh, who, you know, is not a pilot, but you know, he, he wants to be one and, you know, and he will be because we're going to, we're going to continue to motivate him and everything else. So when his kids graduate, he'll be able to go and get his pilot's license. But, (laughs) um, dude, he did exceptionally well. I mean, when we took off, Steven was flying. And when he took off, Jared just dumped everything on him. He's like, all right, well, let me show you what this looks like. Boom. Zero visibility. Oh, here's the lightning. Boom. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's add some snow. Now, when he added the snow, I felt like we were in the Millennium Falcon <laughs> during warp speed. Well, <laughs> he know? did that to me. I wasn't the first. I was the third or fourth one to fly, and he did that to me because uh, obviously the Canadian sits down and he needs to make it snow. <laughs> and then just for good measure, oh, yeah, throw in so some you light. feel right at home. Yeah, before I even took <clears> off. <throat> yeah. But it's the oh, thing. Well. The airplane wants to fly. And, um, so you, you know, you flying around, it's great. Um, I'm not so sure if you didn't have any comms, um, I don't know what that would look like because you have to somehow tell the airplane, I just want to fly it. I don't want to program in some phase of flight. That part, 
I'm not so sure you'd be <laughs> ending up on the ground safely at that point. Um, but yeah, if you had, if you were able to talk to ATC, no problem. You could do it. Yeah. If you had, like you said, if you had someone that you could talk to mm-hmm. and, um, uh, they were able to tell you how to control the FMS and how to control, uh, you know, the autopilot and, you know, how to disengage this, how to disengage that, um, you know, it will help guide you. You know, they of course would be able to easily guide you to the airport with the AP. Um, and then of course the landing, you know, if it has auto line, great, or auto land, great. If it doesn't, uh, it may be a little bit bumpy. Yep. Uh, and, uh, flight attendants may want to, you know, yell brace, 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 or the captain. Yeah. Well, they're going to be busy talking. So, well, um, and, and I, yeah. I think that, uh, the, the main thing for me was, um, lining up on the, on the runway for my approach wasn't the hard part. Once I got on the ground, um, something that is different about, uh, and we'll talk about this later too, but, uh, something that's different from infinite flight and the real thing, uh, is the, uh, I found anyway, Mark, you can say, tell me what your experience was, but, uh, when I touched down, I flared, I touched down, uh, in infinite flight with the spoilers deployed uh, on touchdown, the nose just is on the ground. Drop. You're not, yeah. it drops, right? Uh, not the case in the simulator. I touched, I flared, I touched down at the right speed ish. And then I had to push the nose down. And that was the case with all of us. Jared had to remind us to push the nose down. Um, so, you know, you, your flare is going to continue to be a flare until you make an input to, to correct. And the biggest thing to remember too, is the, is your rudder to keep you lined up on the, on the center line. And when you have lots going on and you're not, it's not muscle memory yet. Like, you know, someone like yourself, you'd be lining it up for your approach. That's the easy part. And then you've got some things that are just built in so that you can focus. Okay. I need to use my rudder to keep it on the center line. Um, luckily on my second visual approach, Allie was there in the uh, right seat to, <laughs> she actually made some rudder inputs for me cause I was going off the runway. <laughs> That's a good first <laughs> officer right there. Yeah, um, she uh from what from what you guys were telling me, uh I don't I haven't seen the video of her flying yet, but oh, she um, nailed it. That's what uh, that's what Tyler was telling me and then you told me the same thing, but yeah. uh that that's pretty awesome. And and yeah, you know, it's it's like crabbing the plane during a crosswind to the runway is simple. You know, once you get that crab angle established, you can just take your foot off the rudder. Um off the rudder pedals and just let it fly all the way down. You just maintain that straight line. Um, but it, the tricky part is keeping that nose pointed down the center line. Um, and it, it, it it is a little bit difficult, which you want to keep that nose gear off uh, the runway as much as you possibly can, uh, especially during stronger winds. But yeah, it, it, the difference, like you said, is that we were able to use the, uh, the side stick, be able to keep the nose up a little bit, um, and gently set it down. Whereas in infinite flight right now, it does kind of drop. So what I do is because I've tried it uh, several different ways, uh, either come in a little bit faster, uh, which will allow you to keep the nose gear up which I've done, I'll, I'll come in a little bit faster in the spoilers deploy. Uh, and then I'm able to keep the nose gear up a little bit longer. Um, or I just wait till the nose gear is on the ground and then I deploy the spoilers. Yeah, I've definitely but tried I think, that too. 
yeah so but like we did in the airbus even though they deployed you were still able to keep the nose gear off the ground a little bit so you know maybe we can tweak that a little bit yeah that'd be cool let's uh keep moving we you and i could talk about this for the entire episode so let's uh let's keep moving Uh, i'm still on a high about it man it was just an awesome awesome weekend to hang out with everybody it was oh and uh speaking of that uh, as you guys all know joe wasn't able to be there with us and uh we were super bummed about that but he is now uh a daddy again and uh healthy baby boy Got his own little baseball team now. That's right. Yeah. So, congrats to uh, Joe and his wife and the rest of his family. That's awesome. And uh, he is. Uh, congrats, Joe. Him and his wife are now outnumbered by their children. So, good luck to you guys with that. <laughs> uh, all right, Mark. What do you have for us from the Infinite Flight Pilot community this week? Uh, just uh, we finished up with Metars this week. Um, with the tutorial on Monday, which is great. Uh, and, uh, you know, now I'm going to start working. Uh, I've, I've got a few other tutorials that people have suggested that are great tutorials that I'm going to work on, uh, you know, very short tutorials. So uh, I'm going to get those out over the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, and then I'm going to start working on um, tutorials for each individual aircraft. Oh, cool. So, okay. You were yeah, working so on like a, a basic how-to, weren't you? Yeah basically um just um you know i've had several people say well you know what's the landing speeds for this takeoff speeds for that or whatever and so uh, you know there were some things that i needed to get done which is based you know just getting back to the basics mm. and which is what i've done since day one you know and, as someone who know, is uh has very little aviation knowledge those will really help me especially the altitudes you know <laughs> your cruising altitudes hey i've been getting better you have done very very well you haven't corrected me the proud. last two, three flights we've been on you haven't corrected me so no you you you've nailed it uh-huh. so yeah things have gone well with that uh there's been a lot of positive feedback from it and um and i think it's something that we needed to do we needed to go back to the basics start from the beginning um and there's still a few other things that we need to work on, uh, you know, like one that I'm going to do. Uh, I forget who it was recommended by or requested by, but it was one of our uh, IFATC controllers. But uh, when to contact ground after landing, you know, when you're told to exit the runway, when you contact the ground. Okay. So, um, you know, that's one that I'm working on and then a couple more. And then I'm going to start working on individual uh, aircraft for takeoff landing you know, speed settings, so on and so forth. So good stuff. Awesome. Oh yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, why don't we chat with today's guest? How's that sound? Do we have to really? I mean, you and I, I have always such a, we always have such a great time. Do we really need to bring him in? The poor guy, he's just standing by on mute right now, not saying anything. I think we should bring him in. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's the courteous thing to do. All right, let's introduce him. Jared Dichter is a regional carrier first officer from Madison, Wisconsin, who currently pilots the Bombardier CRJ-200, 700, and 900 series aircraft. He is also a member of the Infinite Flight Air Traffic Controller team, and he has joined us today on Skype from White Plains, New York. Jared, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, thank you, too, for having me. It's uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Jason wanted to have you on the show. Uh, you know, I'm just a co-host. You know, whoever he has on the show, I have no input on it. <laughs> so 
I'm just, I talk to whoever shows up. What an auspicious start to the interview. <laughs> I can say that. Yeah. I hey, did. I did put in my concerns when he said that you were going to be on the show today, but, uh, you know, I was overruled, which is typical. <laughs> That's not true. Skyhawk Heavy was a, a big, uh, big proponent of having you on. Well, thank you guys again for having me. Thank you for even putting this podcast together. It's tremendous to see the growth over the last couple months, years of this game and this community. It's It's been fun to watch. Yeah, I agree, it and thanks for saying has. that. Yeah. So, Jared, why don't you tell us a little bit about your aviation story? What got you into flying? Well, and I'll, I'll try to give you the most abbreviated version. Uh, when I was growing up, my parents were divorced, uh, and I'd spend a lot of time with my grandparents. And on Sunday nights, I'd go to my grandparents' house. My grandfather would take me to my grandmother and grandfather would take me to McDonald's and then we would go sit at the Santa Monica airport and watch airplanes take off and land. Uh, so since I've been about eight years old, I, uh, I fell in love with aviation and you know, the passion for aviation has just grown since then. Uh, my 13th birthday, my parents got me my first introductory flight lesson, uh, in a Cessna 172 at Santa Monica airport. Uh, we were living in the house my dad grew up in, which was right off the final approach course for runway 21 at Santa Monica Airport. So I could go out in the backyard and, you know, run around and watch airplanes land, you know, one after the other. Uh, throughout high school, I knew I wanted to fly airplanes. Like I said, I just knew that this was what I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to go to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, and they wanted way too much money. Uh, so I ended up going to the University of Dubuque in Iowa, where I double majored in flight operations and aviation management. While in class, while studying, uh, I got hired to be a ramp agent for, uh, at our local airport for, which had three airline flight services a day to Chicago. Uh, I moved my way up to be supervisor there within about nine months of working there. So my life throughout college was, I was at the airport probably from, and it felt like 6 a.m., 4 a.m. till, you know, 5 or 6 at night. I was there 12, 14 hours a day Wow. Uh, while doing all my flight training, while trying to attend the class. Uh, 2014, I graduated the University of Dubuque with two majors and a 3.3 GPA, and didn't want to flight instruct in Iowa because you really only could fly about, you know, from March when the snow started melting and the freezing level started to rise until, uh, October. So you were only flying. It, it felt like about half the year. So I moved down to Texas and I flight instructed in Texas. Uh, I met the best part of my life, my girlfriend, Jessica, while I was actually still in college and we were doing long distance relationship while I was flight instructing. And, uh, she's been by my side now for the last three years. She's amazing. Uh, an award for that. She does deserve an award. She deserves many, many awards. Uh, she is the driving force. When I finished my flight instruction career in Texas, I was teaching Chinese kids how to fly down there. Uh, 
uh, I got hired on by the regional carrier that I'm at now, which, to be honest, wasn't my original choice. Uh, my first choice was a different regional carrier, the same one that I was actually working for as a, on their ground operations side when I was in Iowa. And uh, like most of our regional carriers, they were having issues hiring pilots. So I chose a different carrier uh, who was experiencing tremendous growth. And uh, that's who I've been with for almost two years now, uh, flying the all three different variants of the CRJ. Uh, it's been great. Uh, reserve times were really low. Uh, I remember listening to the interview that you did with the other Jared talking about seniority is everything, uh, you know, in terms of him getting his days off. And it was, it, it's very true. He, he hit the nail on the head completely there. Uh, seniority really is everything. Uh, I was senior enough that within my first year, of being at the carrier I'm at, I didn't have to work Thanksgiving. I didn't have to work New Year's. Very rarely do I even work weekends now. Uh, I get to spend my weekends at home, away from work. At least I try and uh, enjoy the time I get to be home with, with Jessica. It sounds like, the as you tell your story, it sounds like it's there's some emotion behind that. Um, is that, like, is... So I the other day I went and watched uh, Sully at the theater with my wife, and how was it? I never I haven't seen it yet. Oh man, it's great. And and what the where what made me think of it is I felt emotional almost the entire way through this movie. And it they apparently the um, pilots who have watched it and ATC who have watched it say that you know it's it's right on. They nailed it. It's not Hollywoodized. They haven't done, you know, lots of crazy, flashy, quick camera shots that, you know, sort of are designed to distract you from the lack of actual production. And it's just, um, it's great. It wasn't sensationalized. And it really, I think, um, from my point of view anyway, gave you a really good glimpse into um, that world and what was happening behind the scenes that you couldn't really see. And of course, Tom Hanks is awesome. But I, I, I'm watching this and even my wife got a little emotional at points cause it's, it's tense. And, um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there trying to choke them back pretty much the whole time just because I think it's, you know, flying when you love it, when it's something that's a passion is built into you, you know, you, you can't, it's like, I, I'm also a musician. It's kind of like music. If you are a musician, you have to have an outlet for that. You have to get it out somehow. And I think with flying, it's, um, it tends to be the same thing. I, I didn't mean to go on and on about this, but just hearing you tell your story, it, it sounds like that's sort of exactly how I was feeling last week when I saw the movie is just that like, you know, the, one of the most emotional parts for me of the movie was, uh, when they showed, a clip of him back in time getting his um, some advice from his instructor doing, I think, crop dusting or something. He was getting his his PPL, and it's just you know, you know awesome. It it is, it, and it's funny you you kind of went there uh, with that because last night I was explaining to my captain the whole story behind Infinite Flight. Uh, not the whole story, but you know, I was reading through 
the run sheet that you sent me and I was telling him, you know, yeah, I'm a part of this community and he's actually the first captain I've really ever gotten into. And we kind of did a dry run for this interview today. And it's funny you bring up the word passion because, you know, and I'm sitting here getting goosebumps just talking about it. Aviation to me has been, you know, a drug in a sense. Uh, I love it. I, I, I always want to talk about it and it drives Jessica nuts and I feel mm-hmm. awful. Um, and anyone, anyone I talk to, that's all I want to do is talk about, you know, what cool thing I got to do at my job today or, you know, how much my job sucked today because we had to cross three lines of weather and, you know, we landed in Charlotte and it was, you know, it took us 45 minutes to get to a gate but no matter what, however negative someone has been about this career, and I'll be the first to tell you this career is not easy. Mm-hmm. You're gone a lot. Uh, Jessica and I aren't married yet. We don't have kids. And it's hard for me to sit here and say, yeah, I want to keep doing this and you know, miss out on certain you know, days of my kid's life, my future children's life. Yeah. Um, but it is a passion to me and I, I want to stay in this career as long as I can and make it work, you know, all the way around. And, uh, I'm so passionate about aviation. I have six tattoos and five of them are aviation related. Ooh, you gotta uh, show me cause I've, uh, I'm, I've, I've got my fifth and I'm going to keep going. So I need some aviation. You know, you know, oddly, odd, oddly enough in this, you, you guys can take this kind of cheesy if you want. One of my tattoos is, related to the original infinite flight logo believe it or not really absolutely do laura and philippe know this i I don't believe so oh um we gotta i took it i took it and made some changes to it um to fit it towards me but i feel the logo was so perfect um you know for something i'm so passionate about because and like i said it drives my friends crazy it drives my girlfriend's crazy my girlfriend crazy the fact that all i want to do is talk about aviation and you know i love her and she puts up with me and you know as mark said she deserves a medal (laughs) because she is so amazing to put up with this guy who can't talk about anything else yeah brother you're in the right place (laughs) you know i feel like it and you know it's just it's been a journey you know i'm 24 years old and it's been an absolute journey and i wouldn't do it any other way and it's 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 been fun and awesome. i hope to keep going on this path cool so uh you you sort of touched on this uh, a little bit but um are you rated on any other uh jets or turboprops besides the crj believe it or not i'm not uh I flight trained. I've flown Cessna 172s. There you go. You can just stop <laughs> right there. That's right. Uh, I've flown Cessna 172s. I've flown uh, for our European friends. They may know this. A Sakata Trinidad TB20. That's what our uh, high performance trainer was in college. Uh, I've flown Piper Sem- Seminoles and Senecas. And nice. And I've flown a Diamond 40. Hmm. And I've flown a couple different, you know, flight training simulators. And 
I went from 172 Senecas and a diamond into a CRJ 200. That's awesome. How tell us about that? How 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 did that? Uh, so <clears throat> we got a little bit of a glimpse from uh, Jared Hodge at how the um, things work at his airline, and you know you go from uh, the books to the sort of they're like briefing rooms but they've got um they're sort of cockpits but they don't do anything it's like kind of where you're putting your hands and what you're saying is the most important it's for the flow training flow training there it is thanks yeah and then from there uh, they go to the six axis full motion sims and and that's absolutely the way it goes uh my airline was experiencing a lot of growth uh when i got here so ground uh, ground school was six weeks. Uh, the first 10 days of it were what we call indoctrination, where you do all the HR stuff, the fingerprints, the pee in a cup. Uh, then you go into two weeks of systems where you run through every system on the airplane, every single one, and you know, you know what button does what, why it does it, when you need to push it, and... Uh, then we went into what we called uh, procedure trainers, which are exactly what Jared Hodge was talking about, uh, where it's it's kind of to build the muscle memory, mark, mark it the nail on the head with flows. Uh, as a first officer, I have a couple flows that I do uh, before before we push off the gate, after we start a motor, after we start the second motor, uh, before we take off and then after landing. Um, so, and we go through, oh, we no. go through all of those. Okay. Do you, and, and I think it's okay to say this based on the image that you gave me to use for this episode, uh, your training I'm assuming happened at American airlines. It did not. Um, okay. The, the, the picture I gave you was of an American Eagle CRJ. Uh, American Eagle used to be, its own airline. Uh, they were owned by American Airlines. So back when American Airlines merged with U.S. Airways, they decided to do away with the American Eagle airline. And and the that airline still is actually around. It goes by a different name now. And they turned American Eagle into a brand. So now there are as I'm counting off the top of my head, there are about eight other regional carriers in this country that fly airplanes that say American Eagle on the side. American Eagle is simply a brand now. Okay. Gotcha. So when you get on my air airplane, uh, right by the door, it's going to say operated by my airline. Okay. Got it. Which we're going to keep a secret for now. That's right. Yep. Um, so, our, our training was actually done at my company's headquarters. My company is still owned by American Airlines. They actually own three different regional carriers. Okay, got it. Okay, so being a pilot for a regional carrier, since we're on it, what kinds of flights are typical for you? You don't have to use airports if that's if that gives it away too much, but what, what kind of flights are typical and how long are you usually away from home? You said you usually have holidays and weekends off now because of some seniority? Um, yeah, because of some seniority, I'm and, and something uh, 
uh, that we call a schedule adjustment period that's uh, built into our contract, Go Unions. Um, our typical flights range from anywhere we do 60-mile flights, um, and our longest flight is just under 900 miles. Okay. So anywhere in between there uh, is pretty much You say you normal. have a 60-mile flight? We do have a 60-mile flight. So you basically take off and then land? Pretty much. <laughs> uh, I amazing. actually ended up – I did the flight last week. I did the flight last week uh, from wheels uh, wheels off the, the ground to wheels touching the ground. It was 18 minutes and 42 seconds. 18 minutes. I think that's the one I listened to, yeah. It was pretty pretty weird. <clears throat> it it was – Talks to departure and hand it off to approach. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Wow. That's for the, uh, I mean, I can't imagine someone would actually save time on a flight like that. Couldn't you, by the time you do airport security and all that kind of stuff, wouldn't you just drive? Yes, but when you when you look at it in the big picture, it's not necessarily... It's a hub, what we call a hub, to an outstation. Oh, so you're making so connections for most people. It's 90% of that. those flying, those flights right. are all connections. Okay. No one started where we took off. Got it. Got and it. probably mostly business for those flights as well. Um, yes, uh, we see a lot of, a lot of business. Uh, and the crazy thing is we do it on our biggest jet uh, for a majority of the time. We do it on our 76 seat CRJ 900 and... It's full. <laughs> well, uh, all right. Well, let's talk about the CRJ. You have, uh, as you've told me, roughly 400 hours in the 200 and 400 hours in the 7 and 9. So what are some of the differences? Uh, my understanding is that the 200 doesn't have slaps uh, on the leading edge of the wing, if that's correct. Uh, that is correct. But the uh, 7 and 9 do. So, uh, well, let's back up. So, Tell us about the CRJ. Is it uh, an airplane that you like to fly? Not that you have experience flying other jets, but talk about the CRJ. I, I love it. I it's a great it's a great airplane. It's got some really really great features to it, um, and it's a fun airplane to fly. You know, it's no offense to Mark. It goes faster than a Cessna. It goes higher than a Cessna. Um, <laughs> now now Mark. <laughs> Mark, have you ever flown one of the G1000 Cessnas? Yes, I have. Um, it's it's fun, it's different, but yeah, I have. Not all of um, them, but yeah. What, what's interesting about some of the more advanced Cessnas that are equipped with uh, WAS and, and some other more modern technology, you can actually shoot a GPS approach down to the same minimums you can shoot an ILS approach at. So a lot of airports that are smaller that don't have ILS approaches, a Cessna would be more suitable to getting into those airports because they have those GPS functions that our CRJs don't have. So in some aspects, when you, you go from this, you know, airline transport category jet to a Cessna, and it, the Cessna actually can has more capabilities. Um. Which which is kind of an interesting point, uh, but the the CRJ itself is an incredible airplane. Uh, so and it's without the, to take a, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, and it's difficult a lot of times, you know, when you're comparing the Cessna with some of the CRJs or just airline pilots in general, it's funny because uh, I took a buddy of mine up who uh, is an airline pilot and uh, I flew to Mississippi, picked him up and uh, I was basically, you know, he just wanted to get some aerial views of his house and of the coast and all that stuff. And so I said, I'll tell you what, well, let's do a couple of touch and goes real quick with you flying so that way you have you know a good feel of the aircraft because uh, i know it's a little bit different and <clears throat> i never thought i'd see the day where i would have to take the plane from an airline pilot but you know when we're about 500 feet and he basically almost stalls the airplane uh you know i had to recover and i'm like my plane and i grabbed the yoke and uh the throttle and so uh you know he was coming in with a uh, a, a nose up attitude and everything else and almost stalled us. And I had to walk him through a little bit on how to land the Cessna again, even though he's got plenty of time in a 172, but it had been many, many years. A lot so, of, a lot of flying is based on perspective. And that's, you know, for me, the, the, the trip I'm on here in white plains is actually a 200 trip. It's the first time I've flown at 200, uh, since the end of July, actually, uh, I, I've managed to stay on the seven nine, and and I'll talk about the differences in a second. The most the most prominent difference between the CRJ two hundred and the seven nine is that because the two hundred does not have those leading edge slats, which provide a added amount of lift, um, it, and they do a couple other things. Lift is probably one of the most prominent things. Um, the CRJ two hundred uh, last night, especially we were we were close to our max landing weight. Uh, our ref speed was about one hundred and thirty nine knots indicated, and the the best way for me to stay and for anyone, the best way to stay on the glide slope is you you bring your attitude indicator and you're flying your at final approach speed at two and a half degrees nose down so you're you're very pointed downward i mean two and a half degrees doesn't sound like a lot but it's noticeable especially when you're in the seven nine when you're at your final approach speed you're at about a half a degree nose up so it's a very flat flat final approach segment in the 700 900 and the 200 is relatively nose down that's got to feel weird. After not flying the airplane for two months, it's a little different. Right. Um, and it like takes a lot of getting used dart. to. <laughs> it is. Um, the other thing is because you're so nose down, when you hear our radio altimeter, which they've done an excellent job in infinite flight um, with those call outs, that 500, 400. In our, in our airplane, we just have a 500-foot call, a 100-foot call. And then it goes 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. Does um, it go that fast? Because if it does, I have some concerns. <laughs> uh, it <laughs> only mean, goes that fast when... You're flying? Yeah, maybe. Something yeah. like that. Um, when you hear 50 feet in the CRJ200, you're pretty much pulling the power all the way back to idle at 50 feet. In the 7.9, because it's so heavy and a little bit more of a critical wing, uh, you don't do that. You carry power almost all the way down to the touchdown point. 
my best landings in the 700 900 series have come when my thrust levers hit the idle stop right as the main gear touched down so you're slowly walking the power back in the 79 and the 200 you just pull it all the way back and keep the nose down to about 10 feet and it lands very flat the CRJ79 has a much more prominent flare that's really interesting and uh, so why why wouldn't do you know what the history is behind the 200 and why they wouldn't have built in uh leading edge slats on that the 200 was originally a challenger corporate jet and bombardier thought it would be a great idea this was back in the regional airline boom um that they would take this corporate jet that sat 12 to 15 people put a put an extension in it put winglets on it and put 50 seats in it the 200 is a very in my opinion it's it's underpowered when it's heavy it does not climb well it does not perform very well not like the uh, md88 not like the md88 <laughs> um and it's on hot summer days once you get above about 18 19,000 feet you're still at climb power and you're only climbing at about 500 feet per minute no way oh yeah wow. it's a very underpowered airplane especially when it's heavy I when guess, it's light it does a little bit better um i guess for short regional flights that's not as critical it's not as critical uh when we fly the airplane on six 700 mile flights it's you know it becomes an issue because right. you're taking a lot of fuel, you're taking a lot of people, and a lot of bags, and the weight stays the same with the exception of the fuel that you burn. Now, what so ATC you have not... to factor that in? When they're telling you to climb to a certain altitude, do they, do they know, oh, it's a hot summer day, that's a CRJ200, we need to give him a ton of extra time to get to that altitude? They do. Uh, they sometimes don't realize and ask, hey... You know, whatever, can you maintain 1,500 feet per minute or better in the climb? And the answer is no. And then Unable. that's usually when you're told to level off or you're told to – you get a vector off, off, the, uh, off the arrival or off the, off the SID that you're on, and you're basically just a speed bump. <laughs> get out of the way, please. Pretty much. I remember when we had them <clears> – <throat> we'd have them coming into Mobile – um, and a lot of times even out of Memphis or whatever, I mean, the CRJ, uh, 200 that we have with Northwest, uh, a lot of them, if we went out full, cause we had the 50 seats. And so when we went out full, of course, you know, how much is, ballast did you have to put on <clears throat> very well, there were so many bags. I think now, what is it? What you can take, you can check one bag. And then carry one bag. Checking uh, a bag now is $25. Don't forget that. Oh, so, see, it's changed a lot. Because back back then, when I was doing it, it was they were allowed to check two bags. Right. So bags and were prominent. Yeah, so there was plenty of bags. And you had to be able to pack a Winnebago in the back of a Volkswagen to get everything in there. Then, of course, you've got mail. And uh, occasionally, you would get cargo and stuff like that. But we would have a lot of weight and balance issues and we did not have uh initially 
I know that uh, uh, the CRJs had an option to where you could put in a ballast mod kit. Uh, it was like a 500-pound mod or a 500-pound built-in ballast, uh, and we didn't have that. So we, we, were we don't have those that. Issues. Really? Last night, uh, the flight we did was only about 250 miles. We had 50 people, and we had like 12 checked bags, which weigh 30 we use standard weights, so they weigh 30 pounds, uh, and 11 plane side check bags because they can't fit in the overhead. Uh, so we didn't have a lot of bags. So in turn, we needed almost 500 pounds of ballast put into the back end of the airplane that, where our only cargo bin is because the CRJ-200, that's another notorious problem with it. It's very nose-heavy. Uh, so you need a lot of weight in the back of the airplane to counteract what you have. Exactly. Um, that's another I nice I thing. Ride. You know, I wouldn't mind riding in the cargo bin. It would be a little cold, <laughs> but, you know, if they needed ballast, I would have done it. But on a short <laughs> regional flight, Mark, they're not going too high, so it might be doable. Wouldn't get too cold. Well, it's a pressurized bin. There you go. Uh, so, guys, I'm going to move us along here because we could literally take three episodes worth of time here. Um, we probably could. We could. So we and might I, need and to I do... talk too much. So. Oh well, us, all three of us. That's <laughs> talk too much. So, <laughs> uh, but it is a it is a talk show. Um, let's move along, and then uh, if we just don't have time for everything, Jared, we'll do uh, part two. Um, that sounds fine with me. So, so getting to Infinite Flight. Uh, which sometimes is a challenge because we, we're, we're all av geeks, so we just want to talk about airplanes, whether it's the flight sim or not. But let's bring Infinite Flight in a little bit. Um, how closely do you think the CRJ200 in the sim models flying the real one? Um, and and I know it's it's a little bit hard to say maybe because, like, you know, Mark and I have flown the A320, but but and I've flown no other jets. You've flown the CRJ and... I'm assuming no other jets, including simulator time. So, what, knowing what you do, what would you, how would you say it is in this in the sim? I would say it's better than average. Uh, I think there are some flaws that Mark and I were just talking about. Um, I actually, you know, right before this started, did a couple landings in it. Uh, literally the same landings we did last night in White Plains. On a 6,500-foot runway, close to max landing weight, flying the ref speed that we had. Um, the airplane itself is a little loose on the ground, I would say. Taxing around, it seems to keel over a little bit, okay. uh, which isn't something that happens in real life. Uh, it actually, I think, is a little underpowered in the game. In some aspects, I did a reduced thrust takeoff close to the weight we were at last night and it actually took longer to get airborne so i'm not sure where that is overall though i think it's pretty good uh i think you know hopefully i can get together and we can you know get some more details matted in and you know improve it just as you know we've worked on improving every other airplane in the game and you know the development team has done a tremendous job i remember when i first downloaded infinite flight Man, I I feel like it's been ten years ago, and I know it hasn't. Yeah. Um, but I remember flying a very pixelated Southwest seven thirty seven, and 
to see where we've come from there to here, you know, we have a 7H7 with wing flex and the, you know, ailerons actually move, you know, very realistically. And it's the, the strides this game has taken. I think, you know, we're, we're going in the right direction with it. For sure. Um, but I guess to answer the original question, it's, it's close, but there are, there's room for improvement, I guess would be. Okay. What would be really cool to see is, uh, you know, after some of the other improvements that they're doing now and the additions, uh, maybe a CRJ uh, rework, including uh, a new uh, 700-900 revision. That would be, I think that be sweet. I would be over the moon. I was telling Mark about that, uh, I think, at some point last week, how cool that would be, you know, and I would be stuck in the same region doing all the flights that I do on a daily basis. <laughs> that is and, so great. It's, it's, I get the, and I've said this on the podcast many times, I get this from people, you know, what, uh, talking about uh, Jared Hodge or uh, someone like yourself or even um, Tyler, you know, what these people do this for a job. What in the world are they doing, you know, using a flight simulator? You, you literally get out of the airplane and waiting for your next flight, you've got infinite flight up on your tablet, right? Like it's just something that's totally sometimes, uh, you know, being away from home, I try to talk to Jessica as much as I can. Um, but you know, when she's at work and I'm stuck in a hotel room, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I, what I do. Or I, you know, you know, reviewing ways or trying to find ways that I can send more data and information, you know, for a potential CRJ rework or, you know, come up with some ideas that can get put in, uh, or I'm trying to find a way to make my schedule just a little bit better, but. Well, it's got better this month for sure. You're only saying that because I elected to fly at 200 and it so happens that I'm ending up in Mobile. That's right. <laughs> so Jessica will just have to understand that, you know, there's going to be a couple hour period that you're not going to be available you when you're here in Mobile. We'll, we'll run that by her. You guys going to hang out? <clears throat> yeah. It's a plan. Awesome. Hope to. All right. Well, I'll get on Google and check out flights, see if I can get down there. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Come on. Guys, let's just take a quick live flight break. We'll be right back. Mark, have you heard of Live Flight for Infinite Flight? Yeah, man. I've used it to track flights and to see which regions and airports are busy before, you know, planning my flight. Right. Well, as you probably know, a new version of Live Flight is now available at liveflightapp.com. This new version is better than ever and has been rebuilt from the ground up. With a new design, more flight stats, a search feature, and airport information, tracking and planning your flight is easier than ever. Oh, man, I know. And now with the new downloadable KML files, You can download your flight data to any Earth browser, such as Google Earth. It's so cool. Absolutely. And if that wasn't enough, you can now subscribe to Live Flight Horizon, a new service for only $1.99 a month that provides real-time, worldwide airport information such as weather, runway data, and charts. It also allows you to search for flights, active ATC frequencies, and airports. And as a Live Flight Horizon subscriber, you'll also get much longer online sessions, and you'll be helping Cam to keep developing and improving this great app. So guys, make sure you head over to liveflightapp.com to give it a try, and also subscribe to Live Flight Horizon. It will make your infinite flight experience so much better. And now back to the podcast. 
Let's get to some Facebook and forum questions. Actually, let's get to some forum questions. Uh, there were lots. This generated uh, lots of uh, buzz. And I'm trying to put my finger on why exactly certain episodes generate more buzz and more questions than others. I think the real-world pilot ones always typically generate the most. And because we've got a lot of younger users that are aspiring pilots and aspiring air traffic controllers and so on. So um, this one was no exception. Um, I'm not going, I'm going to definitely butcher this name, but I'm going to give it a whirl anyway. Um, Mubashir, maybe, forum user. Uh, He says, have you ever experienced piloting a Boeing or an Airbus? So we already know the answer to that. Uh, And if so, how different is it? If you had the option to switch to a Boeing or Airbus, would you? And which one would you pick and why? I have not piloted. I have had the pleasure and privilege to ride jump seat uh, in my many commute tribulations. Um, And I've ridden on both. Uh, The Airbus has most certainly... uh, What's what's the word I want to use here? It's grown on me. The Airbus has. uh, I ride on... Airbuses quite a bit. Uh, I've been saying since I was a kid I want to fly a 737, uh, and I and I'm going to stick to that today. I would love to fly the Boeing 737. I don't. I'm not the kind of person that's cut out for you know the long haul triple seven stuff. So, I hope that answers your question. Thank you very much for the questions. Uh, but I definitely would like to fly the 737. Beauty. Me too. <laughs> Not in the cards for me anytime soon. Uh, we've heard from previous <laughs> guests that there were uh, pilots and there are different ways to go about becoming a professional pilot. Uh, several forum users are asking what advice you would give to aspiring pilots. So having done what you did, um, you know, what would you say to that? The advice, and that's a great question, and the advice I would give to aspiring pilots is is fairly straightforward. Don't let anyone deter you from your passion. Uh, If you love aviation as much as I can tell a lot of the people in the community do, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Uh, When I was coming up in aviation, it was a real dark time. Uh, You know, there were a lot of... It it was a post-9-11 aviation era. Uh, A lot of people were getting furloughed and let go from their, you know, jobs at mainline carriers... And even regional carriers were saying, well, we just don't need you right now. And then the ones that survived that have been stuck in the same position as a first officer making, you know, pennies on the dollar for a long time. And they told me how much they absolutely just hated their life, hated their career. And don't let don't let anyone's negative opinions affect you. Uh, It's your passion. It's your life. If it's what you want to do, go get it. I mean, don't let anyone deter you from from your path. If you love aviation as much as I do, that that's the best advice I can give anyone is just keep on going. Don't stop. I love that. That's great. And along with this, Damien, who's an aspiring pilot about to enter flight school is asking how you paid your way through school. <laughs> if that's not too personal. That's, 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 that's a tough question. It, it's a little personal. Um, it's not cheap. I have substantial student loans in some areas. My parents, you know, did what they could to help me. Um, 
I guess it's really something you want to do for the long haul, right? Like the, I'm committed to this. I'm you... going to move up in in seniority, and I'm going to really give this my all for a long time. It is. Uh, that's that's the best way to put it. Uh, you know, when I got hired, I was making twenty four dollars an hour to fly a regional jet. Wow. Uh, <laughs> in the last two years, my pay has almost doubled because there is such a pilot shortage, and the airlines are starting to realize that no one wants to go to flight school and college because most major airlines want four-year college degrees. No one wants to go to uh, college and flight school and come out $100,000 in debt and come to their airline and make $24 an hour. And uh, I'll leave it at that. Student loans are inevitable. uh, But remember... You know, when you get to a place like American or Delta and you spend 20, 30 years there, it, it's worth it in the end. Emil's wondering, and we have to move quickly, how how do you pick your flights? Are you bid, are you bidding on routes? I don't bid on routes. We bid on schedules. Uh, we bid on lines that have trips built into them. And then after the bidding is complete, we have a schedule adjustment period, which is a window that allows us to uh, trade our trips for other trips so we can have the days we want off. I don't bid on routes. I try to avoid bidding on airplanes. I bid to have the most flight time or the most pay credit time, we call it, and the most days at home with Jessica. Awesome. Uh, Hank the Gamer is wondering what your favorite airport is to fly into. Washington, D.C., Reagan National Airport, hands down. Why? I think you saw the reason why. Uh, <laughs> I did, yes. <laughs> I think I think yeah. Mark did as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, so that's, that's actually Washington. interesting. Uh, sorry to interrupt. That's interesting because immediately I'm thinking, um, you know, it has must have something to do with the airport itself. Um, you're talking about the approach. I am talking about the approach. The River Visual to 1-9 uh, is the most – Elegant, beautiful approach I have ever flown in my life. It's bananas. Uh, you're you're turning the entire time you're on final, pretty much. You are, and th- the best part about it is the autopilot's off. It actually, very few approaches that we have in our system and across the country do you actually feel like, oh, I'm supposed to turn the autopilot off and fly this approach. Right. And uh, you saw my, my a close second would be Portland, Maine, and you also saw that reason. Um, and it's the same exact reason. It's a published visual approach. Mm-hmm. You're flying the airplane. It, you actually feel like a real pilot again, I awesome. guess. Awesome. So last question, uh, and this is asked of all of our pilots, and I don't know necessarily why. I guess it's interesting. It's a little, I don't know, it feels a, a tad morbid, but do you have you ever encountered any emergencies while en route? You'd, you'd have to think that over 800 hours, almost 1,000 hours, I, I probably would have encountered more. Uh, I hit what I would call strong, moderate turbulence up in the upper flight levels that kicked the autopilot off a couple times. Uh, taking off one day, we were rolling down the runway, and right at V1, we had a triple chime, uh, which is a master warning. 
due to a brake sensor failure, and it gave us a brake overheat, which when you're rolling down the runway and at V1, if you get a triple chime, your first thought is you have an engine fire or an engine failure. Uh, that's really probably the only time I've had an, a true emergency. Okay. Uh, Any, nothing bad came out of that? Ran the checklist, put the gear up, and continued on our two-and-a-half-hour flight. Okay. So, no, I, I haven't. Uh, I'm sure they will come, and I will tell you this. Any airline you go to will have you thoroughly prepared for when they do. Awesome. Mark, do you have anything for Jared before we let him go? <clears throat> uh, no. Um, nothing that we could actually publish anyway. <laughs> but, right. um, <laughs> but seriously, man, I, I appreciate, um, you know, number one, I appreciate your your level of commitment and dedication uh, both to flying and, um, but also to infinite flight and controlling, uh, you know, your controlling still needs a lot of work, but, uh, we'll get you there. Um, but you know, as far as, uh, as far as, you know, the, the things that you've said about infinite flight in itself, uh, you know, certainly we definitely appreciate that. And, and we do strive, you know, we're, we're constantly, uh, bettering the sim. Uh, and you know, we, we have a very, very bright future and it's, it's guys like you that, you know, are able to help us to better the SIM and make it more realistic. So thank you for that commitment and your dedication to all that. Well, you know, you guys are the driving force behind it, Jason, you know, we're on episode 32 of Flightcast. When I first saw this, I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I had never listened to a podcast before in my life. You know, the fact that you do this to help grow our community and mark the work that you and Laura and Philippe do to continue to put out these updates that, you know, seemingly one up the previous update is incredible. And the growth, I, like I've said, has just been tremendous to watch. And, you know, you guys are sitting here thanking me. I'm just uh, a vessel of my story, and you guys are the ones that are, you know, painting the picture to the listeners of the podcast and to the, you know, participants in the game on live. And if you they don't afford it, you know, you guys continue to make this better. It's your work is appreciated, commendable, and incredible. That was beautifully said. Uh -huh. It was. I mean, we already knew that, but thank you, you know, Phil. <laughs> Mark, we need to have this guy back. He's great. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's, uh, maybe it's, we do another live, uh, live podcast from Mobile here in uh, in a couple of weeks. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, well, I tried. <laughs> you tried, Mark, but I, you know, I am. When I'm out at work and I've got nothing to do, I, it, it would be an absolute pleasure, you know. I've told Mark I try to separate my home life. That's why he doesn't hear from me on the weekends because that's what I'm working on doing is separating work from home. And this is work to me, but it's also fun. So yeah. I, it's an honor to be on here and to be welcomed the way I have. And yeah, nope, that's a good uh, thing, man. Keep doing that for sure. Yeah, keep doing that because I enjoy the break when you're at home. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, awesome. yeah, if you guys want to have me back on it, I'd, it'd be a pleasure. I'd love it. It's been a blast so far, and I look forward to the future. Cool. Well, we certainly will. Jared, thanks for being on the show and for making time for us today. Thank you very much, All Jason best. and Mark. You yeah, thanks for being here, man. 
That was real world CRJ pilot Jared Dichter, and he joined us from White Plains, New York on Skype. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast. If you haven't already, head over to the App Store or Google Play and download Infinite Flight. For more of the podcast, please visit our website and be sure to subscribe on iTunes or YouTube. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash flightcastaudio, on Twitter at flightcastaudio, and now on Instagram at flightcast. Flightcast is brought to you by Linkhouse Media on the web at linkhousemedia.com. We can always use your help to keep the podcast rolling, and a few ways to do that are by clicking the donate button at the bottom of our brand new website or by heading to flightcast.audio slash shop to buy your very own t-shirt, hat, mug, or iPhone case. To cover the fine print, Flightcast is not affiliated with Infinite Flight or Flying Development Studio. I'm Jason Rosewell. Thanks for listening, and happy landings. Uh, Now, of course... Uh, to be serious, we'd love some five-star reviews, but, uh, you know, I can't complain too much. Oh, crap. What is that? Sorry. Hold on. Do not disturb. My bad, dude. Sorry about that. It's okay. <clears throat> I'll just make for a good blooper. <laughs> Jared Dichter is a regional... Nope. Wow. I, uh couldn't even read the first sentence let's try that again oh no how's the boy matthew mm-hmm. right now he's being a dumb <laughs> because he cannot get a freaking 40 pound dog out of a truck <laughs> do we need to give you guys some time to work out <laughs> jason said you got to be qu- uh, really quiet we can't have any stupid on the show today <laughs> jason how do you put up with this guy I ask that same question to myself every day. <laughs> this is so professional. Close. It's so professional. Oh, so please. Professional. We're so past professionalism. So Jared opted to um, listen in on our banter at the start on mute. I told him, you, you might want to just, you know, we'll call you after. And he said, no, no, I, I want to listen. So Look, He's an airline pilot. He's bored out of his mind in his little hotel room. He- yeah, well, it's, it's your funeral, Jared. Alrighty. You ready, buddy? I'm ready. Alright. Let's do this. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. Wait a minute. Do I sound okay? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay.